0: Hey everybody and welcome to What the Truck, I'm the dude and he is Dooner and I'll tell you what Dooner, you know what I love?
1: I don't know. (laughs) I love
0: love the smell of cowbell in the morning brother, let me have some.
1: Oh yeah, Ah, sniff it up, drink it up man, (laughs) apocalypse, now today's show we're talking autonomous now man. I know you like movies. I like movies, too. And I was actually before we came on the air, we were just talking about this. We were looking at the data from this article the L.A. Times put out another just sort of good indicator on COVID was what's going on with Hollywood Studios, right? They had 98 percent of location shoots in the second quarter were wiped out and they were at their lowest level since they've ever been tracked in terms of filming, I guess, in terms of the start of the film industry.
0: Yeah, the start of the film industry. It's amazing. And, and you, you know, before you go start poor movie stars are out of work they've got all their millions and they're just sitting there 5000 small businesses in LA alone uh, with 10 or fewer employees are dependent on the film industry uh dooner as well as 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 everybody needs to be concerned Dooner's entertainment also comes from from Hollywood so
1: uh, sure <laughs> no man i live out in hollywood it's a, uh, the movie studios there are a big part of the industry a big part of the economy yeah. and props up, i would say even more businesses than that because it props up real estate it props up housing prices. It it all those stores on Hollywood Boulevard stay open because there's a the movie industry. So there's a lot going yeah. on from there. We're gonna be running out of content soon. A hundred thousand people, industry workers out of jobs, smaller than some industries, but it's a smaller industry. But there's some good news. Uh, freeform said they have resumed filming Love in the time of the coronavirus.
0: Uh, yes, right. So what is it? It's looking for love six feet away or uh, going through a divorce while in quarantine. Is that what we're looking I, at there? Is that what that is?
1: I think so. They've tried to do it with a couple of dating shows now, like dating via, via COVID. And uh, it, I think it's a concept <laughs> they were testing because of like the Tinder generation and a lot more Gen Z being a lot more online and app oriented. And now they've, they've translated to COVID dating. Would you date someone during a pandemic?
0: Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I've never been single during a a pandemic. Hopefully, I never will be. I, I, how how could you? I, I, I don't know. Well, don't
1: we're not we're not single today. We got Rob Armstrong, Maurice Andrella, right. and Tony Anderson in the comment section here. What's up, Tony Anderson? Rock and roll. Let us know where you are listening in from. Kyle Taylor says, "Mike the rock star and Dooner the movie star." And Erin Smatek says, "LMAO." I wonder if she's excited about. Uh, about that thing. We're not, we're not solo today, though. We're talking about autonomous trucks, warrior challenges, sonar powered freight flu- flows, all the latest news. And we even have a musical guest. But before we get to them, let's tip the band. Connect to win with Redwood Connect, supply chain integration platform from Redwood Logistics that connects every last part of your supply chain, turning logistics maze into a freeway. It connects your disparate, hard to manage silos using a drag and drop platform that's so easy. It feels like magic. Learn more about it at Redwood Connect at RedwoodLogistics.com. Head over there right after the show. Right, Michael Vincent? Yeah, right, man.
0: Immediately after the show, RedwoodLogistics.com.
1: Be there, be square, man. Headlines, headlines, headlines. Headlines. All right, we talked about this last Friday. We said after the holiday break, we were really excited and interested to see where freight flows were going to go if we were in for a positive July. Well... Some new news out on that typical July freight slump. Looks unlikely that this year. Andrew Cox reports good news for carriers as we make some sense of some post-holiday indices. The uh, DHL supply chain... Freightways Pricing Power Index came out this week. We're at a 55, which favors towards the carriers. This is a scale on 0 to 100. Zero fully in favor of the shippers. 100 fully in favor of the carriers. For a long time, it was down in the doldrums, like 15, 20. But it's rocketed back up over the past month. It, it's hit its highest at 55. It's remaining at that peak with an outlook of 60 for the carriers. This is good news for all of the, the truckers out there that were, that were upset about broker gouging. Right, Michael Vincent? Yeah, absolutely. You don't hear about that stuff right now, do you? Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> so the tender rejections, fifteen percent this week,
1: right? Is, is, that, is that pretty good?
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, talking with Zach Strickland, our director of freight market intelligence, et cetera, we kind of 2018 is what we gauge it against. And it's it's not quite there. But that was 25 percent. Fifteen percent is quite elevated. It, it really is. And when you look at the the depth of the trough and, and try and gain some insights between, you know, l- the previous years, we're still 15 percent over on, on uh, and 20 percent over in volumes the trough is very seasonal and we saw an uptick over the last the last day which is normal i mean this is it's following normal season seasonal patterns it's where is it going to settle over the next week two weeks is really going to be important where does that peak come from
1: yeah and with, with with these uh these rejections and the elevated volumes so come spot rates those are up 13.3 percent from may to june and you know that may be why we haven't been hearing so many you know so many rumblings. People are busy doing work and making money at the moment.
0: Yeah, it was a good thing that they uh, didn't agree with the uh, cap, as we reported before, right? when they were discussing the legislation to try and look at the the put floor rates in or control those rate prices right? <laughs> to regulate those rates. They didn't want to regulate the cap, and it's a good thing because now they're making their money.
1: Now, on the midday market update yesterday, we had one of our first bankruptcy reportings we have done since this pandemic started, and if you think back to last year, At this time, we'd had New England Motor Freight, we'd had Valken, we'd had several other institutions. Do you think that the PPP is keeping a lot of these companies afloat? And then when we lose some of those, the capacity is going to constrain even further?
0: Well, it's definitely keeping some of them afloat. There's no doubt about that. And then, you know, and keeping other people afloat, as Arkansas Moat used his to keep other (laughs) things going besides his trucking company. But. Uh, they're definitely keeping them afloat. I think there's some zombies that are out there, but you know, will the economy support those and and get them through this is, is the issue. When those PPP starts to run out or when it finally does, or if we just print more money and keep them afloat, then they'll keep running. But, I mean, it's the economy. If it stays at the volumes here, a lot of them are going to survive.
1: Now, you and I have, have long been saying that the whole program, it seems like it's rife for some fraud, especially when they said they weren't going to check at certain levels of ask, which Arkansas Mo made the mistake of asking too much from. But a lot of money went out there. It went out quick. Nobody knows exactly where it went unless you go to Freightways and you look at that chart at the transportation companies. We'll talk more about that on radio. You guys also covered it on the Midday Market Update a few days ago. But here's another case of fraud. Utah Trucking Company owner faces PPP fraud. That's right. Clarissa Hawes reports the owner of a Utah trucking company is facing multiple charges after federal prosecutors he submitted a Fraudulent loan application to obtain funds through the U.S. Business Administration's PPP program. Hubert Ivan Ugarte, he's 52 of Draper, Utah. He's the owner of Frisbee Trucking. He's uh, in federal custody. Prosecutors allege himself and Lisa Bradshaw Rowbery of Provo, Utah, the controller of Frisbee, helped him apply for a PPP loan through the CARES Act. But it's not his first dust up with Johnny Law.
0: No, it certainly isn't. Is it Ugarte? Is that correct? Could be. Ugarte U- U- is already under indictment in another federal case involving $280 million pay-to-play FedEx ground bribery scheme, received a $210,000 loan through the uh, PPP in, in in mid-May. According to the court documents, UGART and Rowberry, who handled the finances for Frisbee, uh, falsely answered no when asked if UGART was under for, uh, formal criminal charges in any jurisdiction when fi- filling out the PPP loan application. Ugard also answered no when asked if he had been placed on uh, a pretrial diversion, which federal prosecutors also say is false because he entered into a two year pretrial diversion to resolve a felony drug possession charge in 1988.
1: You know a lot of these guys, a lot of these a lot of these people when they get busted it turns out that this isn't their first uh, their first run of the criminal rodeo. A former employee though tipped off the feds. I wonder why that was. Prior to receiving PPP money, a former trucking company employee who wasn't named in the court documents, he claims Ugarte's company was in financial trouble and had bounced payroll checks five times over a 90-day period. Imagine how crappy that would be having to work for him. Instead of using yeah. 75% of the PPP money to pay employees, Ugarte used nearly $127,000 of the money to make past due lease payments on 13 Kenworth trucks as well as various truck parts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Federal investigators claim Ugarte violated the PPP agreement by using 60% of the loan amount to pay Kenworth for the lease trucks, leaving only 40% of the funds for payroll. So, uh, maybe he just can't use his calculator well.
1: I don't. I, don't know. I mean, he but. didn't misappropriate them as badly as uh, Arkansas Moe did. Now, Arkansas Mo, he did pay some child support, which was very nice of him. But he also bought a lot of jewelry and stuff here. It looks like the money wasn't necessarily going outside of the business. You know, it was paying off some loans. And I think that in the new guidance on those, you can use more towards paying off those kind of things. Maybe he did it too soon. And by lying about his criminal background, that's where the real hang up came.
0: Yeah, it's probably it's probably the that's probably true. And the the lying part probably furthered the investigation and to find out exactly what was going on here. Uh, and they cover that stuff. So
1: doesn't help. Rob Armstrong, he's he's no. he's, he's listening in from Saskatoon. Uh, Hank Wiley, he's in from St. Louis, Kyle Van Artisan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Sean Beard, Niagara, Niagara Falls, Ontario. So the other side of the border, uh, that's where that marijuana case went down by that pa- that peace bridge, that truck drive. We have some yeah, good news, peace bad bridge. news.
0: Yeah. I've gone across, I've gone across that bridge many a time, the peace bridge. Absolutely. So we got two, uh, Canadians on here. We got Saskatoon, uh, Saskatchewan and Ontario.
1: Nice. Uh, when we have Landon Barrow, St. Simons Island, Georgia, Don, uh, Dan, sorry, Dan Thomason, F- Jacksonville, Florida. Chris Jolly, Phoenix, Arizona. And KC3 says, own the day, guys and girls. You know what we're going to talk to now? We're going to call up Steven Root. He's senior manager of loyalty at Pilot Flying J. We're going to talk to him about their Road Warrior Challenge, some of their award points, see what's up with Pilot Flying J, maybe see what's up with rest stops and all of those kind of things. We're dialing him out to him in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hey, Steven Root, you are on the air with Dooner and the Dude. What's up, man? Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. Hey, by the way, Mike, when I told my my kids, there's a couple of guests. My kids were really excited about it. One of them was you. And it's because of you're in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they are wrestling fans. So they're like, oh, that's where Mayor Kane is from, from the WWE.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kane, the younger brother of the uh, the younger half brother of the Undertaker, right? Three time champion and 13 time (laughs) uh, tag team champion. You should know that, right? I do. All right. That's a good
2: good. fun fact to know for sure.
0: (laughs) Hey, so, Stephen, for those listeners not familiar, can you share more details on your Push for Points loyalty program that you launched in April, Uh, you know, including the program perks and how drivers can sign up and use it?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. So, our My Rewards program is really popular with pro drivers. Um, And the Pilot and J mobile app is really where drivers can go to maximize their savings. Uh, earn more points and even save some time. So, um, we launched our push for points uh, loyalty promotion. It's it's something new for us on April first. Um, obviously, we weren't as we planned it out. We weren't anticipating this coronavirus situation. Um, kind of you know came up pretty quick. But you know at pilot, we were really happy that we had this new program where um, we could give drivers the opportunity to earn a lot more points and you know at a time when they really need them the most. So the program is really simple. You just each month, drivers just go into the app and click the activate button, and that you kind of join the promotion, and you start earning more points with each fill, up to four points per gallon in the month. So but the kind of the way it works. So your first fill, you're in one point per gallon. Your second fill, one and a half. Then two, two and a half, three, three and a half, all the way up to four. So after only six fills, drivers are earning up to four points per gallon uh, for the rest of the month, and then you can just go back in the next month and activate it again.
0: Wow. It's, that's really good stuff. And, and I was reading through there and looking through this. So you reserve a shower and, park, and you see parking spaces, et cetera. So what's been the response to the push for points? And, and did this uh, you know feedback uh, come into extending the program and, and, and making it indefinite?
2: We initially planned to just run the promotion for 90 days, but driver feedback has been really great. Um, I mean, we even got drivers coming into guest services just to tell them, like, hey, we love this program. Make sure you don't ever, you know, don't let it end. Um, So we've decided to extend it for another 90 days to the end of September. Um, We've also gotten some really good feedback from our fleet customers. So, you know, we have, you know, fleet owners calling our sales team saying, hey, you know, we really love this program. It's getting my drivers more rewards, you know, helping them out on the road.
1: Hey, one, um, of drivers, one of your drivers, one of your drivers, Duner Livingston in the comments, he says he's earning uh, two points a gallon right now. So I, he's, he's doing his own push right. for points right in, right in real time. One of the things that you guys are doing that's super cool though, is the seventh annual Road Warrior Contest, July 20th. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, so Road Warrior Contest, um, it's, it's our seventh year doing this contest. Um, it really recognizes the amazing pro drivers out there in our industry. Um, it gives drivers a platform to tell their stories, you know, let everyone know, like, like, what makes you a true road warrior? So anyone can nominate a driver through our website. Even fleets can nominate a driver. And nominations are open uh, now until uh, July 20th. Um, like I said, there's some really amazing stories out there. And one winner will win the grand prize, uh, 10000 bucks. So that's, that's, uh, that's a pretty good prize.
0: Yeah, that, that's not bad at all. That's <laughs> ten thousand bucks. So uh, we also saw the launch of the new Axle Fuel car back in May. Can you share more on that Axle Fuel car?
2: Yeah, I think you guys talked to Megan Earhart about this uh, a, a little while back. So yeah, Stephen, yeah, she um, was
1: she was on Freight Waves Radio, which is uh, Saturdays three to five p.m. Series XM's Road Dog Trucking Channel One Forty Six. She did an amazing job, and she really she really put that program over to me.
2: Yeah, that's great. Well. I won't do as good a job as her, but you know, keeping your trucks fueled is obviously a really important part of operating a fleet, right? Um, so, three real key things about the Axle Fuel car that really make it stand out. Um, first, it opens up a great amount of credit for fleets, really of any size. Um, there's also no hidden fees. There's no nickel and diming. No, you know, we're not going to get you on monthly fees with the Axle car like some other cards do. And the third, the third key benefit is is my favorite because I'm the loyalty guy. Um, it gives drivers bonus My Rewards points when they fuel using the Axle Card. So, um, great benefits for the fleets, great benefits for drivers, and uh, we encourage the fleets to go check it out on our website.
1: Now, around the country, we're, we're facing. Uh, I think most most rest stops, if not all rest stops, have reopened. But around the country, we're still facing cases of COVID nineteen way worse. So, in some places than others, but there's been a big explosion It's showing that reopenings being being harder than we thought. But how is the pilot company? Continuing to keep drivers safe during this time, they don't, have the, they don't have the fortune of jumping into lockdown like a lot of us do.
2: Yeah, keeping our team members and guests safe is definitely our number one priority at Pilot. So um, what it means is that that means running really clean stores, like following social distancing protocols. Um, all of our team members wear masks. Masks help protect them and our guests. Um, we've created new cleaning procedures around the store. Um, dedicated more labor to that. Uh, we've even instituted new, like, deep regular deep clean cycles. Um, some other things we've done that you'll see when you go into a store just kind of let you know that, like, we're paying very, you know, we're we're being really serious about this. Um, plexiglass barriers at the register to help protect the guests and the team members. Uh, hand sanitizer stations throughout the stores. Um, it's something we talk about a lot. I mean, keeping cleans, clean safe stores is going to be, like, priority number one for a long time as we live in this kind of new normal. You know, we want to keep the stores open, keep the restaurants open, keep, you know, keep the drivers going out on the road.
0: Hey Amen. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more with that. Keep everybody moving. Keep our, our uh, supply chain moving. Keep those road warriors moving yeah. for us. Uh, we absolutely, they're essential to all of us in our economy. So um, where do people go to uh, learn more and uh, get involved with this annual road warrior, the push for points, et cetera?
2: Yeah, just go to uh, pilotflyingj.com. You can check out information on the Axle Card, our mobile app, and also the Road Warrior Contest. And then, uh, you know, hit up the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Download the uh, Pilot Flying J mobile app today because there's a whole lot of points in there just waiting for you. So, love for everybody to get that and uh, earn more. Wow. Hey, thank you very much. We appreciate your time today, Stephen. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much, Stephen. Yeah, hey, oh, we have uh, Mike Blixton, He's in British Columbia, Canada. Eric Sert is in Quahog, Rhode Island. You know, I have, uh, I have, I have relatives up in Rhode Island. I'm not familiar with Quahog though. I know the the Kingston area. Uh, Tony Anderson. He is in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Robert Busi. He's in from Chicago, Illinois. Our next guest that we're going to talk to, we're going to dial up uh, Christian Gibas. He's the founder of Autobahn AI. They're working on making. Uh, new vehicles autonomous, but they also have this really cool product, the Visor, which can retrofit older trucks and make them autonomous as well. I think that's a very smart play, Michael Vincent, because there's a lot of fleets that are still out there. We're seeing people buy these trucks all the time. Uh They're not necessarily going to be able to buy that brand new electric truck with that level five automation technology or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, no, I agree 100. percent The retrofit fit is a is a is a great play, and that visor looks very cool. I was checking that out on their on their website, but yeah, definitely a smart play. As as people, it's going to be expensive to get these new autonomous and level five et cetera going. So this is going to be great, and it adds to safety. Yeah.
1: Do Do you think at the pilot flying J of the future, full service will be back, but only for like unpersoned vehicles, unmanned vehicles? Do I think
0: that? I, I think it's a, it's a definite possibility you're going to need to have some type of fueling, right? Yeah. So I think it would I think it would be there. I, I, I don't know if it'd be only for, uh, you know, just autonomous vehicles or not. I'd love to have full service again, man. It was great. Oh, I remember you- going out to... Uh, uh, Oregon and New Jersey were, I don't know if you still are not allowed to, but you couldn't even fuel your own car. I got out and tried to fuel my car in Portland once and, uh, they came running out like I had a gun or something.
1: Oh yeah. I was, so I was in, I went to visit the headquarters of Costco in, uh, in Newark area and I went to fill up my own car too. And I, I just out of habit, I got out of the car to fill it up and this guy came just tearing out, started screaming me, started screaming at me. <laughs> yeah, like I was absolutely. like, dude, I'm from a normal place. You know, I'm from the other 48 <laughs> yeah. where this is not an issue.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not looking to not looking to steal this gas. I realize I have to pay for it. Not trying to take your job. Just not from here.
1: (laughs) If you look at Twitter, though, man, there's people who will pick some very small hills to die on all these fights over mass and stores and stuff. I I can imagine that once in a while there are some big blowouts at these uh, at these New Jersey rest stops over people trying to fill. You can't touch my filling freedom.
0: Yeah, well, what if you had a fuel show? What if you were pulling up, you're driving along the lo- road, Dooner, and you could just on your app order up some food or some grub, some groceries, and uh, a fill up on, on you know, pump number, number 12, and you drove in, you filled up, and you got your stuff delivered right to your car and you took off? Hey, McDonald's does that now. They have curbside pickup
1: right through their app, ties right into your location. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's pretty right. cool stuff. Let's, let's go. Put, let's put a gas pump at that drive through and be in good shape. Let's call Christian up. We'll find out what kind of plans he has in store for. For autonomous vehicles, and we'll break down the different levels of autonomous vehicles and all that stuff. Christian, G, am I saying this right? Is it Christian uh, Gebis? Gebus. Gebis. Got it How right. How are you doing? I, you're, we're doing great. You know, so I was telling our previous guest that my kid was excited because he's from Knoxville, Tennessee, and Kane from the WWE is the mayor of that town, of all things. But he, I was also telling him about you. And my five-year-old, if you ask him what he wants to do for a living, he will say very directly – I want to build really, really big robots. And you did that for NASA, right? You built two fully autonomous robots from the ground up for NASA's robotic mining competition at the Kennedy Space Center. Before we even get into what you're doing now, tell me a little bit about that, because that sounds wicked cool.
3: Yeah, that was uh, that was really how kind of uh, a lot of my work started. Uh, we were at the University of Illinois um, at Chicago uh, at a robotics club that I was running. It was like 50 students. Uh, we treated all like it was our full-time job um we were all super passionate about um building these lunar excavators um which nasa was uh kind of coming around and 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 picking out a lot of our design uh choices and things like this and uh yeah like you know like like you said we we we, uh built this from the ground up so it's really a lot of expertise around like mechanical electrical and software systems that really helped me kind of go on to build my company
0: Awesome. That that's really cool. So, Christian, uh, on Autobahn uh, AI, your mission states: accelerate America's next trucking upgrade with technology that reduces waste, promotes safety, and improves the environment. So, tell us about what what is Autobahn AI?
3: Yeah, sure. So uh, that's our overarching mission. Where where we um, when we started the company, we noticed that the adoption of technology, specifically technology that Reduces accidents, um, uh, in particular for all the vehicles that are on the road today, um, was uh, pretty much um, kind of like non-existent, and there really still isn't a cost-effective way for this technology, which is you know becoming widely available on cars, um, to be accessed by uh, the trucking industry, uh, and it's, I think it's largely due to a, a high cost associated uh to this, for the most part um and obviously in trucking that's it's not uh always the case where carriers flush with you know cash to to buy these uh systems outright um so what we've what we've been doing for the last four years is we've been developing this technology um primarily around uh the focus of the driver um so actually i uh, went to go get my CDL uh, about a year after I started the company uh, to put myself behind the driver's seat uh, and truly understand what is it like to be a new driver uh, and what are the stress, the concerns, the just the things that I mean make it the third most dangerous job in the U.S. right now. Um, and very quickly it became apparent when I was when I did the, my first delivery, I, I guess you can say. Uh, hauling 80,000 pounds on the highway uh, and doing something as simple as a lane change was one of the most stressful things in the world. Um, and at the, I mean, like I said, even till today, there really isn't something that fleets either can buy or they can access um, in terms of a technology that allows them to make that maneuver uh, much more safely uh, and effectively. Um, and there's a lot of downstream benefits um, to having, for example, these capabilities that we have on the visor Uh, that we're building out on the visor, which is, you know, multi-directional sensing, Um, changing a lane is not only that's like a safety uh, uh, improvement, but it can also be viewed as an efficiency improvement because from a new driver perspective, there, uh, uh, I was missing exits uh, quite often, even though I was using a GPS system, just simply not knowing what lane I'm in, uh, what lane I need to be in. I I do that all the time.
1: I, I'm the worst navigator, especially when I'm sitting shotgun and my, my wife is driving sometimes and she'll always she'll always flip out on me. Uh, but you put these you put these. Oh, so we just showed a picture of uh, one of your trucks on the Chicagoland Speedway to test your AI out. Tell me a little bit about that. You're, you're really putting these trucks through the ringer.
3: Yeah. So that was a uh, closed course, um, uh, actually, uh, like an investor kind of demo day that we had. Um, To show the technology that we uh, actually at the time it was we kind of revamped uh, the whole software stack, uh, and uh, within four months we basically uh, invited our investors uh, to come for ride-alongs, and so that was actually one of the most rewarding days as seeing kind of everything kind of come start to really come to fruition, uh, and seeing everybody kind of smile, laugh at the fact that this is wow, this is like actually. You know, real. This is this is working, right? But um, that that was largely a controlled, uh, controlled demo uh, for the purposes of show. You know, just kind of showing the concept and um, and, and really getting driving the point across that this technology is. There's a lot to do to make this technology really, really robust for removing the driver, and we're very, very far away from that. Um, and in my honest opinion, i just simply from a standpoint of how many. You know, how are you going to prove? to regulators or to the general public that this technology is ready. Well, hold on, Um, Christian.
1: Christian, Elon Musk, he tweeted, I believe it was, was, well, he didn't tweet, he said this at a conference uh, just yesterday or two, a virtual event. He said that uh, he thinks that level five automation will be here by the end of the year. Can you tell us a little bit about the the different levels of automation and what state we're at? Because I I think that when a lot of people think about autonomous trucking, they immediately jump to level five, which is the furthest along in terms of the regulatory pool.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So what he actually Meant by that when uh, when I kind of looked into it more is uh, is that it will be feature complete um, in terms of the the functions that are needed for level five um, to to work. So you can just think about it as you know the traffic sign detection or um, stop sign detection and things like this. I mean, largely everybody has those features, right? So it's he's really he's definitely really good at um, kind of phrasing things in a way that, you know, gets publicity for sure. Um, And uh, I I think that's ultimately what he's saying is that, you know, they're not going to be achieving Teslas without drivers by the end of this year. Um, uh, But the features in their development approach to their AI, those features are going to be implemented. And then from that point on, really all it is is leveraging the data from the whole fleet um, to continuously improve these neural networks and their predictions and their, the accuracy. Um, so in terms of where we are on the scale of like uh, the SAE levels of autonomy, um, we focus on everything from what a truck on the road today, like a, even a, you know, say a 2010 or 2015, um, you know, truck, they don't have any passive safety whatsoever. Like no lane departure warning, no forward collision warning or even automatic emergency braking. So um, we, we, our goal as a company has always been from the beginning, improve the safety of all the trucks on the road and, and accelerate that as fast as we can. Um, and the business model has been largely crafted around achieving that goal as fast as possible. So um, we start from level one um, in a passive sense, and uh, what you see, for example, on that um, on that demo at the Chicagoland Speedway, that's that's more of a level 2 type of functionality that we're that we're working towards so that the driver can be more relaxed or the driver can you know uh, kind of just monitor when the truck wants to do a lane change at the right time to make the exit in time and stuff like this uh, you know without crossing like three lanes to make your exit and stuff like this so um, this is kind of where we're focused on and we're going to be focused on these two areas for the longest period of time um, with the eventual goal of of course you know, getting to full automation down the road. Uh, but there's really a lot of real world miles that are needed to be collected and, and driven uh, to show the, you know, kind of make the case to regulators or to the public that, hey, this has actually been used as, you know, you know, a few hundred million miles or billion miles. Hey Christian, and, uh, Christian. Some, some yeah. of the
1: companies we, so we've been covering a lot of these ones: the Teslas, the Nikola's, the Helions of the world. These, these the electric trucking spaces. Some vehicles that may have your technology in them in the future. How do you feel about those trucks? Sure. Are you excited about that marketplace?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. I think that uh, the more companies that are helping to accelerate this adoption means less lives being lost on the road, which is there's 12 lives lost every single day. Uh, that's better for everybody on the roadways um, who's scared of driving next to trucks, for example, um, better for the industry because that's $960 million lost uh, every single day. Uh, so the, the quicker that we, this can happen, the better it is. And that's the goal of the company um, is how can we make, how can we contribute um, to the vehicles that are already off the assembly line and they last for 15 to 20 years? How can, what can we do to contribute uh, to that? Um, it's obviously a little bit, maybe a little bit, you can say it's a little bit more of a harder uh, problem to a certain extent, uh, just simply that, you know, you you don't maybe necessarily have um, some of the uh, assembly line benefits uh, per se, like in terms of installation. But we've so far been able to make the installation quite uh, seamless and straightforward. Um, so, yeah, I'm super supportive and happy that, you know, more players are doing this.
1: Well, wow, yeah, so Level 5 Autonomation still a little while off, but they already have some great solutions over at Autobahn AI. I'd love to send listeners to go check it out. After this show, where should they go to get more information? Uh,
3: uh, they should go to uh, autobahn.ai, www.autobahn.ai.
1: Perfect. Hey, thank you very much for your time, and thanks for, for bringing us into this world of uh, Autonomous Now, man. I appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Wow. That's Christian.
1: That's a young man. We're going to be hearing more from in the future. You know, he I believe he's he's pretty young. The the CEO of Hylion, 28, the old man of the group, 38 year old uh, Trevor Milton. Right. Well, I guess Elon is in his in his 50s, but it's a it's a young man's game at the moment.
0: It seems to be, and, and you know, Christian, he, not only is he really, re- I'm obviously very smart in robotics and, and AI and what he's doing there, but I think his approach is absolutely right. He's, he's taking it from level one up, right? Because it's going to take a while, even with level five, it's only going to be in certain areas and it's going to take a while to get there. You're still going to need all these other safety situations that need to be improved in the regional and the local mo- lo- local driving and that, and that sort of thing. Even when level five comes up, as we talk to people, and I think the agreement, is on how it rolls out so i think he's positioned right this is well. michelle. i think it's a
1: brilliant play hey michelle you're on the air with dooner and the dude uh we have michelle defranzo president of imx cargo and ricky eric with her with realm music thank you so much for joining us for a play it forward segment on what the truck
4: it's so great to be with you thank you for having
1: us now it, it's been a while since I, i've seen you michelle so we used to work out in that boston market together and actually i found out recently my co-host spent some time over in that east area too he knows where mcclellan highway is
4: yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Who knows? Uh, that's crazy. That's so cr- uh, so right. In East Boston, and that whole area.
1: Yeah, where were you, Michael? So, I, w-
0: so I was uh, just uh, not too many blocks up from Maverick Square on Meridian.
1: Yeah.
4: Oh, okay. Did you did you live around here? Or-
0: yeah, I, I lived there for uh, about a year. I was a, a bouncer, bartender, et cetera, at a place called um, Stocks and Bonds. It was on One Beacon Street. Oh, my God. joint.
4: I, I used to work on State Street there. Before before my career in uh, Freight, I used to work at the bank of New England on State Street by Stocks and Bonds. So I used to visit that regularly. Now, so there you go.
1: So, uh, and if people don't know, it's like the Boston area there used to. A lot of the business used to be downtown. Then it all basically moved to the uh, the East Boston area. Then that that area it just sort of took off. So that's kind of where the industry resides.
4: Growing, yes, it's growing tremendously. I actually grew up in East Boston. I'm an East Boston girl. Um, and just recently, we uh, just moved out of that that area to Peabody, where a lot of the other big forwarders are going. so. You know, obviously Ooh. it's doing very well, but it's just too expensive down there. Now you can't even touch it.
0: Well, yeah, you know. I was up there shortly after the big dig and I rented a car and we were going around there in a previous company visiting uh, different clients shortly after the big dig, like I said. And we're using GPS, but I was underground, right? And I thought I was on a surface road, so I oh. I, it, I couldn't figure out where the heck I was going. <laughs>
1: it's, it's still It still doesn't work that well. It'll tell you to turn into the side of the... The tunnel yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> so you obviously have to be familiar with all our great restaurants around here.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a big clam chowder fan. I was actually just reading that was like the number two ordered lunch item on our friends at the Daily Meal. Michael Vincent, New England clam yeah. chowder, number two ordered lunch item during the pandemic, according to whatever. Oh, wow. I think they were using Grubhub data. But you know, this segment is a play it forward segment. I think we have a music video to debut we'll play it in just a second but introduce it for us Michelle what what's going on in uh cry no more
4: so cry no more was a it's a song written by Ricky Eric um he's a musician artist singer songwriter and uh he's my partner at Realm Music Group so besides the cargo business that I own I own a small uh, indie record label with my partner Ricky Eric and uh he's the one who actually uh, came up with this new song he uh you know, Jim most recently was diagnosed with uh, cancer and uh, in November, wow. and yeah, so he had kind of a lot going on, and, and this was something that he had in his treasure trove for a little while and thought, you know, with the whole COVID thing, that it was really the most appropriate time to get it released, so uh, you debuting this, it's actually uh, the first time it's going to be debuted here. We just released it on the YouTube, but it's actually coming out for distribution, um, I think in the next week or two so it will be available on all the online uh, platforms it's called cry no more by Ricky Eric
5: all
1: right and
4: it's by our yeah by our record label which is realm music group so all
1: right I'm gonna throw um, it to uh, I'm gonna throw it to the tape let's let them let's let it speak for itself everyone uh, right, cool. roll the video for us please. Wow. So so my first question for you, Michelle, is who is that skinwalker?
4: The skinwalker? I don't know. uh,
1: Uh, It was clearly made very recently, though. Obviously, some very uh, some symbolatory towards uh, what's going on with the COVID-19. That crisis, I imagine, with the with the cancer diagnosis that has to resonate even even more with with Ricky and yourself.
4: Exactly. And that's why I just felt like this was a time that actually going through treatment now and, and the whole nine yards. And, uh, you know, just, it, it just seemed like the appropriate time to have something like this release is pretty, you know, more meaningful. you of, got, you know, so many other tracks that are, you know, dance or reggae or this and fun. Um, but this just seemed like the most appropriate for this time.
5: Yeah,
0: I, I think it was too. I, I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. It was awesome. Who knew we'd be debuting uh, new releases sooner? <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty know, awesome. Right? We've gone from, oh, yeah. <laughs> we've oh. gone from a trumpet player playing yeah. Dixie or something to, to a, a, a new release from a, a known record label company. So that's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> but Michelle IMAX, can you tell us about IMAX? How, how has business been at IMAX and, and what are the challenges that you guys have
4: been, been facing lately? So I heard you talking all about the PPP earlier, and obviously, you know that's kept a lot of small companies like myself alive. I mean, we received a very small portion of P T P to help, um, you know, with our business. But we have also been advocating on behalf of other small businesses. Uh, I mix cargo is a GSA, we're a general sales agent, and we represent some of the most major large freighter airlines in all of the world. Um, and I've been uh. We- We've had IMAX, it's going to be 20 years this November. And uh, my freight career has, you know, before the State Street Stocks and Bonds that we mentioned, (laughs) so I had been in in, uh, freight forwarding before that for uh, nine years. So I'm almost 30 years young in this business, and I never thought that I was going to say anything so crazy.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. I mean, it, it, it's awesome to have you on here, and I, I'm glad we're touching base. You'll have to you'll have to be on more regularly. We really appreciate the, the submission. How did people go and find out more about Realm Music and IMX Cargo and connect with with uh, with you and watch more of that video?
4: Oh, so well, the video is on YouTube. Cry no more, uh, Ricky Eric. Our website is being revamped, so it might be down, but it is RealmMusicGroup.com, and we uh, pretty much have all the handles: Twitter, Facebook. Um, Instagram, and uh, Ricky Eric also has the, his handles are all the same across the board, so you can find all his music, all his videos. He's actually going to be releasing a full album uh, probably in the fall, and this is going to be the most unique album that you have never, ever, ever seen anybody else do. Well, Alright, um, you're throwing be, down the gauntlet. I'm telling you right now, we're going to be the first to do an album that is, has no genre and no direction. you know, Ricky's really skilled musician, artist, and the album is sounds titled. A lo- a, a, you haven't heard the Mike-
1: like what Dooner and I do. You haven't heard the Michael <laughs> Vincent shower sessions.
4: <laughs> I, I was going to gonna say,
1: I think Dooner ah. and I could come up with a really <laughs> unique album.
0: I
4: told, I told Dooner, we'll rate you a, what the truck. A uh, new theme song or something
1: for your show. Well, we, we are awesome. writing. Uh, we're, we're we're. I'll give you some details on some tracks that we're laying down, but uh, we'll, we'll. I'll loop Maybe you we in on collaborate. that.
4: Yes. Maybe and, we collaborate. Yes, <laughs> hey, uh, we could
1: collaborate. Hey, we we do have to run to our next caller, but we really appreciate no your time problem. today. And hey, God bless Ricky, man. We hope he gets gets better with that diagnosis, and 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 Amen. everything ends in the clear. All right. All
4: right, well, you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you.
1: Take it easy. Amen. All right, take care. Peace. Bye bye. Nadir Bezonte says, hello, all <laughs> from France. I imagine it does not sound like that in the French at all. That, that is a very uh, a well-spoken, flowing language, like a river, not like Bezontine. Spoken
0: like a s- true Southie. Are you at a Southie or Eastie? I or would
1: never make a good spy. I would be like, I already hide my Boston accent, but like I do an okay <laughs> job of that. I would do a very bad job if I was a, a spy, and, yeah. especially in France. Well, either way, he says hello all from France. Kyle, v- <laughs> Kyle Van Artisan says, "Be proud of the bar tenure; it shapes all for the better." That's right, Kyle. And you know, I used to work at McDonald's in the drive-through when I was 14 years old. It's true. Amen. Got fired, hey. but I was doing pretty good. I got fired for just being a, like yeah. a Weizacker. I, was, I talked back to my manager.
0: <laughs> I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't
1: imagine. <laughs> Long had trouble with authority. I, I, I don't believe it. I absolutely don't believe it. You know who now has to bow down to our authority? It's Adam Robinson. He's a brand new addition <laughs> That's right. to Freight Waves. He's on the air with Dooner and the Dude. What's up, Adam Robinson? I can't believe you joined the battleship. It's like Avengers Assemble. It's one of those people from online Here we all go. the time. I talk to. I <laughs> love dealing with. And now he's on the same team with me. It's like it's like getting that draft pick you wanted,
6: right, Michael? Right Vincent? On.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Super excited. How are you doing, Adam?
6: Hey, great, 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 great to be a part of the Freightways family. And we're about to uh, take it off to the next level where you guys have already brought it. Now we're going to go to the promised land. It's dynasty time, 90s bulls. And then we're going to go ahead and just beat the Lakers after that and just keep on winning and write our own little Phil Jackson book called 11 Rings, except we're getting 12.
0: Wow. Right on from your lips to God's ears, brother.
1: <laughs> so, Adam, for the few people who, right. who don't know Adam Robinson, he's a man from Little Elm. He uh, he likes to build Legos once in a while and comment on my Twitter posts about them. But what else do you do? You do? <laughs> I know you as the dude from Syracis, the Freight Project. You were one of the other podcasters early on, like myself, that was really believing in the medium and believing in content marketing and understanding how much of a social game Freight was becoming.
6: That's right. It is a community. It takes all kinds, right? 3PLs, shippers, everybody, carriers got to work together. So, you know, building a natural community around a product is something that is one, a really a lot of fun and it doesn't feel like work, but when you can truly bring value to those three parties and and have fun doing it by engaging around content and helping each other teach uh, different best practices about, you know, various aspects of the business or what you guys do and covering the latest and, and greatest breaking news that's out there or, You know, talking about things like diversity. Um, It's really a lot of fun to bring the community together, and if you can, you know, be a marketer like myself and tell that story, you know, yeah, people are able to sign up for your product and gain revenue for the company. There's really nothing better than that.
0: No, there really isn't. So you're you're a Longhorns fan, right?
6: Hookem, right? Oh, Hookem, baby! Yeah, you know, the story is is that uh, in my time as a Longhorn, I went to school from 2000 to 2003. We had Chris Sims. Um, who wasn't very good, and he got a lot of hate. And then we had Vince Young after that, and they went to the national championship. Well, my wife was pregnant when they went to the national championship, and we won. And so I was like, okay. And then when Colt McCoy came along, she got pregnant again, and we went to the national championship again. So for a while there, I thought, in order for us to win championships, I had to keep getting my wife pregnant. But, you know, thankfully, uh, that's not how it works. And uh, our Longhorns, however, haven't done very well, and she hasn't been pregnant. So maybe there is something
1: to that. So, Which which Longhorn has been, had the most success as an NFL quarterback? We've seen a lot of them have success in college. But, uh, you know, Colt McCoy, I think he's still a career backup, right? He's, he's, he's done okay in those fill-in roles. I personally, if I was in the NFL, I would like to be a, a backup. I would like to be like a journeyman. I would like to be like uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of the NFL, like, just like a smart guy who, you know, I have a whole bunch of jerseys from different teams in my closet. I come in, I make the the starting quarterback look bad for a couple weeks, then I throw a bunch of interceptions.
6: Hey, that's uh, it's not a bad gig, and he's got a good beard. So yes. uh, it ain't a dooner beard, but it's a pretty good beard. And he went to Harvard. So, yeah, not yeah. a bad gig. But historically, the uh, Longhorns haven't done so great in the NFL, unfortunately. They either start a steakhouse and go bankrupt or uh, – You know, they become a commentator like their dad with Chris Sims. And, you know, we all know what happened with Ricky Williams, although he was a great NFL player. He just happened to not work out in the long run. So I would say probably James Street going back all the way to the 1960s or maybe Earl Campbell in the 70s when they went pro were probably our two biggest NFL longhorn successes.
0: Yeah, right on. Being a Buckeye, we went one and one against Vince Young, so I I feel pretty good about that. But I have to say this. Being a Big Ten guy in the middle of the SEC now, Colt McCoy stays healthy.
6: They blow away the tide. Well, man, I'd love to see that. I'm a big Colt McCoy fan, and there's no better name than Colt McCoy. And we'll see what our our next quarterback does. You know, he's not getting a lot of playing time, unfortunately, right now, and I think this was supposed to be his senior year, and I would have loved to see what – you know Tom Herman and the boys would have done with uh, Sam Erlinger and 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 what might have come of that. So hopefully we'll see if he gets into the season. But uh, I'll still root for him. And as long as I don't have to keep getting my wife pregnant, um, and, wow. and they can still go to the championships, so I'll oh. be happy. Oh, they're <laughs> very
1: much tied together. Chris Jolly says yes. Adam Robinson, pump for you. I will gladly take backup quarterback salary. He's a preseason Pro Bowler. <laughs> yeah, Chris. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with holding the clipboard there. I don't know. You might get that itch though. Whenever you're good at something, you kind of want to. You kind of want to be near the front, but Adam. So you're good Come at a lot coach. of you're good at a lot of stuff, and you have just started FreightWay, so you probably don't know exactly what you're going to be doing. But what are you excited about? Why did you jump on the pirate ship with a couple of hooligans like us?
6: Well, the reason I jumped on the pirate ship for the most part is because I just wanted to join the the biggest, baddest company in the in the industry right now, and that's Freightways. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know, when you can uh, sit in a tank and push buttons and have a huge impact by pushing buttons, that's a lot of fun. And so when you, I'm in the howitzer now, you know, we can take some of those talents and, and processes and systems that I've put in place throughout my career around freight. And you guys have seen that as Saracys and really plug it into the Freightways behemoth. And I think that's some rocket ship like growth. And, you know, we want to bring attention to that Sonar product. Right. And so that's what I'm in place to kind of make sure that the industry knows the value of data and how, you know, analyzing data and being able to skate to where the puck is going to go in freight is what's going to give you a competitive advantage and make yourself have a market differentiation differentiation. And that's pretty critical in today's environment where things are moving fast.
0: Well, Adam, your career can't can't agree with you more, Adam. In today's environment, that is incredibly important when you're looking at those data and staying on top of what's happening in the market. It's changing almost hourly and the fractionalization of the recovery and the freight market, et cetera. You have to know what's going on. You got to have the fastest data you possibly can.
1: Michael Vincent, how do you paddle that canoe? Without the ore that is sonar <laughs> in a crazy year like this. I, you'd be lost. You'd be down the waterfall. You'd be down in the rocks, and you would. there would be no survivors. Adam Robinson, people who want to uh, – <laughs> your career is going to move fast now you're here at Freightways. People want to learn more about you. Where do they go to, to get that information?
6: Hey, they can go to LinkedIn, and that's a lot of fun. I stay a little more professional there, although my comment game is first class. But if you want to get a little more fun with the growing supply chain Twitter community, which you two have been a big part of over the last few years, and we've been building up, and I know we're all proud of it together as a team, but head over to Twitter at Adam Robinson CDM and follow us there. And you might get some uh, pictures of my cats, uh, a few inspirational quotes, and sometimes some cranky and honorary uh, opinions, but they're not too tough. So I know we can all keep up.
1: All right, hashtag catpicks. Hey, awesome. Adam, thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk to you later and we'll we'll hey, see you around. Thank you.
6: And we'll hey, yeah, you thanks, you Adam. Thank you.
1: Welcome aboard, man. I gotta make him do a podcast. He's an accomplished podcaster. He's uh, There you go. Yeah, he's all he's right. been in the space for a long time. Excited to see what he will do with the media. You know he's very good at Michael Benzi's He's very good at taking the uh, realizing that there's an organic element behind data and this freight tech and all that stuff, people actually have to use it and speaking to people instead of people who like and people who just like dev stack and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, the human sentiment, it's got it got to be there in it talking. I agree. Absolutely. Hey, we got good news, bad news today or what, Dooner? It's Friday.
1: Yeah. Uh, bad news and good
5: news.
1: All right, here is some really bad news. You Oh, this always frightens me too. You know like some people look in the back seat of their car to see if there's a you know a serial killer back there or someone trying to <laughs> kill you on the way home yeah. um maybe i watched too many or listened to too many urban legends i don't know but this one happened where there's a truck driver He's going over 60 miles an hour this is a bad he's going 60 miles an hour in australia when a venomous snake coiled around his legs you ever have that happen? Ah,
0: that's that, That's no good,
1: man. I had so a cat do that.
0: Go to hundred miles an
1: hour, or what? I had a cat. Like I, we were taking a cat to the vet, and it got out of its cage and it just started running like crazy, like a cartoon, <laughs> around the inside of my car. But I, I haven't had the venomous snake. I would probably, uh, I'd probably panic. I was driving home yesterday, two days ago from the studio. I was in for put that coffee down. My windshield wiper battery like died when I was driving. That was nerve wracking enough. But so there's good news for this guy. According to CNN, the 27 year old trucker who is only known as Jimmy. I don't know why. He used his seatbelt and a knife that he had handy to fend off this snake... But he thought that he may have been bit during this melee, so he speeds to the hospital, so he starts driving even faster even though he thinks that, like, I don't know how safe that is, but I, you know what, you're panicking. You don't have much time to live. Yeah, so he, but a cop pulls him over, and then he's got the, what sounds like the worst excuse ever. He goes, a brown snake or a tiger is in the back of the truck! I think it has bitten me! It was with me in the car! And then uh, Jimmy can be heard saying this on the officer's, uh, the, the officer's uh, video camera, and his body cam, in the video released by Police Tuesday, day he told the cop to feel his heart and the cop was like okay i'll feel your heart and he does and he finds a dead snake he finds a dead snake in the back of the truck which was an eastern brown snake the second deadliest on earth fortunately the driver didn't end up being bitten he only experienced some shock and uh you know forgivable no ticket rendered
0: (laughs) that's the oldest uh, that's the oldest trick in the book yeah
1: that or or like like the stomach brown snake in the
0: back yeah or you got a brown snake somewhere yeah
1: you got the stomach issue that one
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he could have ran out of the thing yelling, bees, bees, run for your life, but no, he it, used the snake, it was a good move.
1: It's better to prove the dead snake <laughs> than prove the the stomach issue in front of the cop. Ah, there you go. Yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> All right, so here's bad news, Duner.
0: You just lost your container at sea. Hey. One of over 779 lost annually. huh. huh. So here's good news for the rest <laughs> yeah. of us. Sucks to be you, but here's the good news for the rest of us. You, you, you. I can't help out. You lost your container, brother. But the rest of us. Here's the good news. In fact. It's really bad luck for you to lose that because an average of only 1,382 containers were lost at sea per year between 2008 and 2019, and the WSC said in a report released Wednesday, that represents less than one 1,000th mm. or 0.0006% of the roughly 226 million containers shipped each a year, carrying more than $4 trillion worth of cargo. In fact, most containers are lost when an entire vessel sinks as opposed to containers being at risk of falling overboard during heavy seas or or whatnot. So from 2008 to 2010, container losses averaged 675 per year, then quadrupled to an average of 2,683 per year from 2011 to 2013. But that spike was largely due to the sinking of the MOL Comfort, which lost 4,293 containers, as well as the grounding of the MV uh, Rena in 2011, which lost 900 containers.
1: Wow, so not that big of a risk at all. Most of these numbers coming from this is why, like with with data, you always have to pull out like the big outliers, right? The big spikes because it paints a much yeah. different picture. It's if you're an insurance bro, if you're selling insurance, you'd probably like to keep those. You want to keep the mol comfort in there, you know? But if you're if you're mitigating risk, although you know, the marine cargo insurance definitely it's it's cheap. Get it uh, the, your shit. You don't have to lose your container of the ship to go down to have things like general average declared on you. It's like fifteen cents per hundred through most insurance brokers. Do not skip the insurance. Do you ever deal with anyone who lost a container at sea?
0: Uh, absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in ocean shipping for, for a number of years down in, in my, in Miami. So yeah, absolutely. And we had, you know, I dealt with seven seas insurance down there, which, you know, insured the, the cargo, but yeah, absolutely have. I've lost
1: people's containers at sea. Yeah. We were, we had stuff on the, on the rent. So that's the only time it's ever happened to me was when the, the big shebang happened.
0: Ah, yeah, I see. Yeah, no, I've, I've lost them. I also lost a container of, of, frozen lobsters in the port once
1: oh you know i used to so for father's day i got my dad's sailing lessons in boston harbor we both took courses there and i used to sail solings which are old like um 1970s era racing racing sailboats with really long keels and the thing is when you go in boston harbor if you go near the lobster traps the lobster fishermen will freak out they'll like they'll start coming towards you
0: yeah, I'm sure, yeah, no, you're stealing. You're like Kramer.
1: Yeah, I'm not out there trying to take your lobster in a racing sailboat. Uh, all right, here's some, here's some bad news. You're pulled over at the Canadian border with twenty million dollars worth of marijuana. U.S. Customs. Uh. UN Customs and Border Protection officers said they found nearly 9,500 pounds of marijuana in the trailer of Pravejat Nagra, which he was hauling. He was arrested nearly two weeks ago, but he contended. He's like, I have no idea. I had no idea where the drugs came from. These are not my drugs another could be a likely story well it turns out that the courts agreed with him and he was left holding the bag and he never knew what was inside right u.s magistrate jeremiah mccarthy he dismissed charges against brave jot nagris 26 at the request of federal prosecutors during a remote u.s district hearing in buffalo new york on tuesday well assistant u.s attorney misha coulson did not expect why her office was dropping the case Nagre's lawyer welcomed the turn of events he said today's dismissal of all charges against mr nagra was a welcome vindication for him and to his innocence yeah you know last year we heard about those hemp truckers and i think they might still yeah even be in jail but fortunately cooler heads prevailed here i guess they were to prove that it wasn't his weed it wasn't his dope it wasn't his Yeah, reefer. they said
0: there's no details there but they could prove i mean well if you look at the records of the seal wouldn't you be able to tell it that way
1: I, I, yeah i don't I know. guess i mean you can still but use it was the seals.
0: prosecutors right it was the prosecutors actually that that requested it be dropped
1: yeah maybe they're like yeah it's covid-19 going on mulligan Coming, yeah. up, <laughs> coming up I mean come,
0: if we were oh, crossing the border into Colorado they wouldn't yeah, they wouldn't even stop them they said all right cool yeah.
1: coming up tomorrow <laughs> on radio Kevin Hill gets us up to date on the week that was with Freight Waves we've got two great guys from Brown Dog Carriers who have been lending a helping paw during COVID-19 Ingrid Brown she's uh-huh. got the view from the cab and uh, John Piper, he's director of telematics and mobile platforms ad on Systems LLC. He'll also be dialing in. That's 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday on Sirius XM's radio. Catch all of this week's Freightways TV and FreightCast content on demand. Download the Freightways TV app for all of that video. If you're uh, on the road or on the go, look up FreightCast, your favorite podcast player of choices, every single Freightways podcast, or just look up the What the Truck feed. You can follow me on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner, or on the LinkedIn. You can find him at Vince and the Dude on Twitter or at Michael Vincent on the LinkedIn, look up all Freight Wave stuff. We got exciting shows coming up to you next week. We also have the 3PL Summit. Bradley Jacobs keynoting that. That's July 21st. How excited are you? Excited for the weekend? I'm
0: very excited for the weekend. It's hot. It's it's sunny here. I'm I'm going to go relax by the pool
1: and just hang, brother. It's oh, I thought we. Great. I thought we already were hanging and relaxing.
0: <laughs> now we're just going to do it with uh, well, yeah, shorts. But you know, now I can do it next to the pool. Men in tights. Maybe I'll get on XM with you again and do that by the pool someday. Someday, yeah. Anytime.
1: Just not this weekend. Hey, yeah, man. There you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy, everybody. Peace and love. Peace and love.
5: look out for the Chiefs. Oh, Boys complain.